Please note, if you're listening to this, you must be 18 years of age or older. This podcast contains adult themes and may include descriptions that listeners could find offensive. Thank you. The great art of life is sensation to feel that we exist even in pain. Lord Byron. Welcome to the Kinky Nerdy Polly Podcast. Hey, this is G. And this is M. And this is the Kinky Nerdy Polly Podcast. Oh, this is different. This is this is not our usual intro. It's not? Nope. Because you already have in the little... Welcome to the Kinky Nerdy Polly Podcast. And then we do. Hello, this is M. This is G. And then we say, and this is episode 45. That's normally how we do the intro. Okay. I don't have a script, so I just kind of <laughs> free flow it, improv it. Yeah. And today we will be talking about... <laughs> what was that accent? <laughs> it's not an accent. We went over it. We... We oh, right. Spooky. This. Yeah, we were doing the spooky voice. Hey, spooky, right. Woo! Okay, we're on board. What makes your hair stand on its end and gives you goosebumps in the middle of the night? No, we're not talking about Halloween. We're talking about sensation play. That's right. Goosebumps, shivers, and zaps. Our topic today is exploring sensation play. In this episode, we will talk about what is a sensation, what sensation play is, broadly speaking, different types of this play, potential interactions between sensation play and neurodivergence, and types of sensation play that we personally enjoy or maybe we don't enjoy, and why we enjoy them or don't enjoy them. Yes. So to kick us off, I guess we have to start at the very foundation of sensation play. What in the living heck is a sensation? Going, Going for the deep philosophical questions. Right off the bat, huh? But without getting too deep into the philosophy, I'd say a sensation is just sort of our mind receiving stimuli from our body from various senses, such as touch, sight, sound, smell, taste, and so forth. Yeah, that's a very good, you know, layperson's definition. Yes. And I, of course, being a bit of a researcher, decided to take out the neuroscience textbook second edition definition, which we will link, of course, in the show notes. Sensation entails the ability to transduce, encode, and ultimately perceive information generated by stimuli arising from both the external and internal environment, and much of the brain is devoted to these tasks. It's a lot of fancy 50-some words there. Yeah, but it's just it's just what you said, Aji. And you had mentioned, you know, it relates to the senses, hearing, seeing, touch, taste, and smell. And touch or tactile senses also called the somatic senses. Somatic. Okay. Yeah. Something else, you know, before we get into sensation play, I taught an intro to neuroscience class. So that's why I might have geeked out a little bit with the neuroscience definition. Okay. But I remember this really cool thing that we did in the neuroscience class, which is you can trick your brain a lot with definitions. With definitions. 
I mean, you can, you can trick the brain with definition. What I meant to say is you can really trick the brain a lot with sensations. And one of the things that you can do is, and this is just a fun thing with taste. This is like fun fact corner of KNP. Is that going to be a new thing? So there's a berry that's commonly called, I'm not even going to try to do the scientific name because I cannot pronounce it. The common name is the miracle fruit. And when you consume the, consume the miracle fruit, you can actually perceive sour foods as sweet. So you can actually eat a whole lemon and not perceive it as sour. You'll perceive it as sweet. And so we did this in Intro to Neuroscience. We gave out these little like tabs that contained the miracle fruit compound and people ate those. Then we gave them a slice of lemon and it, yeah, makes it taste sweet. So cool. Tricking your brain. I love it. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of sensation play also can play on this. You're using, I'd say probably like the most common is like temperature to like create different sensations of things that aren't actually as they are. Mm -hmm. I do, I do remember going to at least one class that was talking about different ways to use like, how do I say this without it being weird? Indu like using products to like induce like chemical reactions to cause like different sensations. So like the icy hot mm -hmm. stuff. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So like chemical play can definitely be lumped into sensation play as well. And I was just thinking when you were saying about like using temperature play, I think one of the ones where it tricks your brain is like you can kind of like create a sensation where it's so cold, you your brain can almost perceive it as heat. So you might be asking the person like, oh, do you perceive this as like hot or cold? Mm -hmm. But it might be like so cold that you start to your brain might perceive it as hot. Yeah, I've also done some mind games. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've heard about, I've heard other people do like mind games about like uh, doing like a quote unquote like faux branding, where instead of like an actual brand, they just like keep the brand in like ice cold water. Oh, and then use that. That's clever. So we've kind of spoiled a little bit about what sensation play is with these examples. So what exactly is sensation play? What all is lumped in there? We talked a little bit. We included temperature play for one. Yeah. I guess one of the big questions is like, does pain count? So pain is definitely a sensation. I would say that in the BDSM community, it is it is not lumped into sensation play. Sensation play, I think, sort of refers to... I feel like sensation play usually refers to things which we do in the community that aren't related to pain because all the pain stuff usually falls under sadomasochism and the like. Yeah, so pain, typically, I would say, pain is definitely a sensation. It's a falls under that somatic sense, but it is often lumped into sadomasochism. And so a lot of people don't necessarily see it falling under sensation play. That being said, it can alternate in, with different sensations in a sensation play scene. So you might alternate between like gentle touches and more stingier, painful touches in a sensation play scene. And that being said, colloquially, I think sensation play broadly refers to things that we, sensations we don't normally experience in our day to day. Yes. You know, I'm not going around having someone like put ice cubes all over my body. Yeah. Though I do think that there can be like a, like you said, I think there can be like a fine line between like a sensation and pain. I think the example I put in the notes is like a massage. Like you can, like when you get a massage, like there is a fine line between like they're putting so much pressure that, you know, it feels good to like just that extra bit of pressure suddenly doesn't feel good. I think another example which people might be familiar with from like just sort of general pop culture is using feathers or fur to like, what's the word? Dragging them across the skin to create a sensation. Right. Trying to like evoke some kind of reaction. And that's where I get like sort of that goosebump feeling. Yes. 
And from the neuroscience perspective, again, going back to those somatic senses, the somatic sensory system has two major components, a subsystem for the detection of mechanical stimuli, this is light touch, vibration, pressure, and cutaneous tension, and a subsystem for the detection of painful stimuli and temperature. So, and again, this is from neuroscience second edition. So I think it's interesting how those two, there's two kind of like broad systems. And of course, this is an oversimplification of neuroscience, by the way. I should just like super asterisk all of this. I'm sure these systems interact in many ways that are, you know, we're not describing here and probably like way more subsystems beneath the subsystems. But again, going back to those light touch kind of feelings, like with the fur and stuff like that versus things like, you know, pain and actually temperature play being over in the kind of other category. But like you were saying, where the branding, yeah, how they use with the faux branding, using an ice cold sensation to give off the feeling of a, a brand, which branding can be quite painful. Real branding. <laughs> okay, I'm underselling it. Branding is extremely painful. Yes. So, you know, temperature play and pain, you know, being the fact that those are in the same subsystem in the somatic sensory processing, that actually doesn't surprise me, but it's, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Also, as someone who just generally hates both like really hot weather and really cold weather. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> fuck that. What normally comes to mind, so we had talked about temperature play, which could include like alternating hot and cold. It couldn't be like fire play comes to mind. Yeah. It could involve using different instruments to evoke different feelings on the skin, which is sort of what you mentioned. So like different scratchy or tickly sensations, soft or soothing sensations. It also, sensation play does include the other senses, taste, smell, hearing, and sight. Depriving someone of sight via a blindfold could enhance the other senses, which could also be a crucial part of sensation play. So... Do you tend to incorporate blindfolds into your play, G? I do have, well, I used to have a blindfold. I think the blindfold, like the the fastener kind of gave out. I used to keep a blindfold in my, in my toy box on the regular just because, one, it can be nice to like heighten sensations, but also it's just, I think like when you're at like a, like at a, at a play party, it's sometimes nice just to block out the visual stimuli so that you can have them focus. I guess it's just basically saying have them focus on the sensation in a different way. Yeah, it is. It's just like one, I think in one sense, you're really emphasizing it in the sensation play scene, but like the other one might not be a sensation play scene specifically, but you're still using it for the same purpose. Yeah, just sort of to to help the bottom focus on the scene. Absolutely. So in addition to the visual aspect, there's also things like, you know, using sounds like whispering in someone's ear can easily be part of a sensation play scene. And some people get those goosebumps and shivers from sounds like that makes me think of people who are susceptible to ASMR, for example. Yeah. And then when it comes to like tastes, feeding someone, you know, different things, salty, sour, sweet, things like that can also be a part of sensation play. But I think for the majority of this episode, we will probably be focusing more on the somatic elements. Yeah, I think this is the stuff you'd probably most commonly see, like, at a 101 night. And for those listeners who don't know what a 101 night is, what is a 101 night? A 101 night. 
Thank you for doing the face and the voice. A one-on-one night is a so a different, at least in my local area, like at different venues, they usually have one dedicated one-on-one night where they'll have like different stations set up for different kinds of play so that people who are new to the scene can go try out different things to see what they might like, what they might not like, and then possibly you know, negotiate with people after the, I think usually like, it's usually called like an exploratorium part. And then usually there's like this play party afterwards so that they could possibly meet up with more experienced people to engage in the kinds of play they just experienced. By the way, for our audience folks who haven't been out to an event and if it's safe enough for you to go due to like COVID things and things like that, if there's a 101 night near you or an exploratorium or something like that, where you can, you know, get your feet wet in different things. I really find these types of 101 events to be really fun and also really informative because it's like a safer way for you to try out different types of play that you might never have experienced. And I think, you know, I'm always, even now, many years into the scene, still learning new things about what I enjoy. So yes, 101 with the different stations, you can often try out many different types of sensation play. Among those stations, you might have, I think fire play is often one of them. Wax play is often one of them. What else tends to be a good? Flogging. Flogging. Let's see. Flogging, caning. Needle play sometimes. Needle play feels a bit much. It feels 101. I know, but I've been to some that have had that. Okay. It is a bit much for 101, though. Let's see. At the 101s I went to, there was a violet wand. Oh, yeah. Violet wand is... I'm not sure if that's super common for 101s. Yeah, but I can see how that would be a good one. Spanking. Oh, tickling is at a 101. I was also thinking like spanking. Yeah. Tends to be at a 101. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, why do this sort of thing? Why do sensation play? I think one of the reasons is it can feel really damn good. Yeah, I think it can really feel damn good. I think a lot of people in our modern day and age are kind of touch starved. Mm-hmm. So I think sensation play, especially when we get into like those more scratching sensations, like that's just like a nice, ex- like we are so touch starved that like any sort of sensation across our skin or human to human contact feels exceptional. Oh, absolutely. And that goes back to, again, like things that we don't experience in our day to day and sensation play. And I often hear that from like even seeing a massage therapist is like my massage therapist will say like, you don't need to touch people very hard during a massage. Just like touching them very lightly sometimes will just make them melt and relax because they just haven't had anybody even just touch them, you know, so gently that just the feeling of someone else being like, you know, there's another human being touching you. Oh, wow. My muscles feel so much better all of a sudden. It's almost like we are, you know, to a degree meant to have like some contact. Yeah. And that's not to say everybody like needs or wants physical touch, mm-hmm. but it, it definitely for me can feel very good. I also think people get into sensation play because it does make for a good 101 station mm-hmm. at a 101 night. You know, if you're just getting your feet wet and, you know, vlogging might seem extreme to you, even though to most people in the scene, it's kind of a fairly regular thing. So, like, if you're, like, looking at the flogging station versus looking at somebody who's got, like, a bunch of weird kitsch stuff on their station and be like, hey, do you want me to drag the stuff across your skin? Like, it's easier to... that If that feels like an easier buy-in from somebody who's, like, brand new than, like, going, hey, do you want me to flog you? <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a nice, like, fur thing and there's a nice feather thing over there. Yeah. And there's that scary person with a scary instrument. 
Yeah, literally used for medieval torture. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Another reason that you might want to get into sensation play is because you might enjoy how your body or how your partner's body reacts. I know I love seeing how my partners react to various sensations. I top and fire play and other types of sensation play, including just like, you know, scratching, pinching, massage, things like that. And just, you know, seeing how my partners will react to like light touch and then switching it up and you know, scratching and pinching and then going back to the light touch. And it's like really fun to see how, you know, my partner's expression will change based on like the the pressure that I'm giving them at the time so that's really fun for me and then I also like how my own body reacts to those things what about you are you a kind of reaction junkie yeah I'd say especially when it comes to bottoming I'm all about the sensation play I don't really consider myself a masochist and so I'd say when I bottom which isn't that often but when I do bottom it tends to be like very sort of sensation slash pleasure focused. So Lexi you want to talk about your Violet Wand experience? Yeah I wanted to talk about my Violet Wand experience with Yuji because this was a very recent experience and I think that it brings together I think my recent experience with you doing Violet Wand really brings together a lot of what I love about sensation play. Okay. And brings into a segue something else that I wanted to talk about in this episode. We recently went out to the club, yeah. the kink club, mm-hmm. and um, it was my first time, you know, back in that sort of space since the pandemic. Unfortunately, got there before anybody got there and left before the main crowd got there. <laughs> so that's <laughs> nice. And we had our scene, you know, with nobody around. And I had told you that, like, I'm kind of not a masochist and not a physical masochist. And I kind of wanted to go light, start light. And you certainly did start light and it was like even probably too light. And I like encouraged you to ramp it up a little bit. And, you know, the well, first of all, wait, we were talking about Violet Wand, but we should probably just go back a little bit. What is Violet Wand? Gee, please explain it. It goes zap zap. Yeah. All right. Electric play. So to so this doesn't turn into a whole episode about Violet Wand. I will keep this brief because I fucking love Violet Wand. To put simply, a Violet Wand is a way, is a, a electrostatic generator. So it's like the same kind of electricity you get when you like shuffle your feet across carpet. And there are different attachments that you can put into the, the generator to create different kinds of sensations. To put it simply, I could really go into like an hour long conversation about this. But yeah, that's the simple way. That's the simple one. Well, it is delightful. And I will say my first experience with Violet Wand, like before you, the person who was doing it was not not as conscientious as you and kind of went straight for a little bit more rough stuff. Okay. And so that's why I was really cautious with you. And I was like, please be gentle. And, you know, and then you ramped it up and then I really liked it. And I think there was this moment where I was like, oh, oh, I like that. And, like, there was even one that you were like, oh, this one's, do you remember which instrument it was? Because, like, based on the tool that you change out, things can get more intense. Yeah, depending on the surface area and depending on what kind of material it's made out of. Right. I probably switched to something that had, like, maybe a metal attachment or I think it was maybe the mylar, like a little mylar flogger thing. I can't remember. It It had a bunch of little metal. Oh, the... Christmas tree, Mylar one? Yeah. Okay. Was it the Christmas tree one? Yeah. Yeah. And the, so this one was very stingy. Yes. It's very stingy. Mm-hmm. And at first I went, oh, like it really got me. Yeah. And then you looked at me like, oh, is that too much? Like you were checking in. You were like, based on your reaction, it seems like you're not a fan. 
But then I just sat with it for a second. I was like, actually, I like it. And I wanted to keep going. Yeah. And I think I even asked you specifically to like do it on my feet. Yeah. At some point. And you said a lot of people don't like it on their feet. Mm -hmm. But I specifically wanted it on my feet. And something about the electric play component, you know, the zapping. I mean, this sensation was quite almost addictive for me. And I, I, w I interrupted you and I wanted to talk about it. And I was like, I was like, I can't explain what it's like, but it's just. And you said it's like scratching an itch you didn't know you had. Yeah, that's kind of how I've always thought about violent wand play is that, you know, for your entire life, you've had this itch and it's just like you don't know any different because it's been with you your entire life. And then, like, when I first experienced Violet Wand, it finally, like, scratched that itch for the first time. I was like, oh, like, finally this constant background has been resolved in a pleasant way. So, yeah, that's that's kind of how I, I like to describe Violet Wand to people who haven't experienced it. Yeah, and it was so delightful. And I really enjoyed it. I thought the whole scene was just really lovely and that scratching an itch you didn't know you had. I wanted to go into a bit of a a bit more about my experience and how I think I thought a lot about how my experience with that and the almost I w I don't want to say addictive in a in a, a negativistic way, but like in that I really enjoyed that sensation. I really wanted more of it and I really felt good afterwards and how it carried with me. I wanted to relate that to neurodivergence. But first, before I get into all of that, Gee, did you want to talk more about your Violet Wand experience and background? All right. Well, audience folks, buckle in for my TED Talk. Now, I, I promise I won't wax too much about it, because partially I've already talked about it a little bit in this episode. But yeah, Violet Wand was one of, if not the first, like, great kink revelations I had about myself. So... You know, I was going to like a 101 night and, you know, I was, you know, through cultural osmosis and like watching like porn and reading smut, like you're aware of a lot of, you can be aware of a lot of the stuff that goes on at a 101 night before you get there. You know, flogging, spanking, caning, rope tying, like I feel like these are all pretty well covered in like both in, in romance, erotica porn but i feel like violet wand is very niche so when i was going to one-on-one night i was trying out these different things and i was like oh you know this is kind of what i was expecting like i got flogged and i was like all right it's kind of like a, a weird percussive massage on your back at least the way they were doing it i know there's different ways you can do it but i got to the violet wand i had like no idea how how is how is this going to work and you know when i felt that electricity for the first time yeah I, I just fell in love with the sensation like like i said earlier it's like it it scratched an itch that i've had my whole life that i didn't know i had that itch and i love to i love to top for it i love to bottom for it i like showing people what violet wand can be because again it's still even in the bdsm community it's fairly niche and i like how i can you know, Violet Wand was the first toy I ever bought was a Violet Wand and took a lot of money. And yeah, I love introducing people to Violet Wand. I love being able to dial in sort of the exact kind of scene a person wants. Because with the Violet Wand, you can get a really wide variety of, of sensations. I mean, this is true, I think, of most forms of play. Like, you get, there's a pretty wide spectrum 
for all forms of play, but it feels even bigger with Violet Wand because like on one end you can get like light buzzing, tingling sensation. And then on the other end, you can get like, I feel like my skin is literally being cut right now. Right. And you can you can dial in like exactly. Well, maybe not exactly, but you can dial in pretty closely to like what kind of sensation the bottom wants in the scene. And, you know, once you're dialed in, then the scene can go on for as long as you both can handle it. Or until if you got one kind of violet wand or until one violet, until the violet wand overheats, which you, you shouldn't do that. If anybody's listening who has got the Tesla quilled violet wand. But yeah, it's, I think... Yeah, I think it's just so much fun to to introduce people to it, to dial in the the sensation they want. I I, I don't think I've done this with you, but one the form of that one that I like the most is actually using the body contact probe. Yeah, you said I think you don't. Did you say you need to get a new one of those? Yeah, I need to get a new one. Yeah, but I've experienced that before and it's fun. Yeah, so just being able to either electrify yourself or electrify the bottom, and you know, just with a touch, just like, I like that the most because, A, as somebody who really likes Violet Wand, I also get to feel it as well. But also it gives you really good information about what they're feeling right now because you're also feeling at the same time. Yeah. So for those who don't know the body contact probe. I think it's called probe. I'm not quite sure why, because I don't think it's actually, Mm -hmm. I feel like probe like you insert it somewhere. Yeah. This one, you're just holding it, right? Yeah. On the one end. So yeah, this basically electrifies the top to allow them to then use their own, I guess, hand, right? Yeah. To then electrify the bottom, mm. which is super cool. Yeah. You can electrify the top or you can have the bottom hold on to or it. Or have the bottom and they'll electrify you. And this is something also that I know you were just describing, like you like to enjoy the sensation as you're going. So it goes both ways. And so like, it's sort of like you are inducing a switching scene almost. Yeah. Yeah. When in a sense. Yeah. When you're using the body contact probe. Yeah. And that's something that I like about, it's not the exact same thing, but with fire play, you know, something that I do with fire play, I top mostly because I don't know a lot of people who can top in fire play. But Fireplay was one of the first things that I learned, actually, when I joined the scene. And I created my own Fireplay wands from a class that I went to. And one of the first things that I do in a scene, of course, is I check the temperature of the uh, the wand. So I run it across my own skin. And that, of course, allows me to experience the same thing the bottom's going to experience. So I get to feel it across my own skin. And then I let the bottom experience it. Again, it's just being able to feel that sensation. Yeah, in that way, I really like doing fire play where I can, you know, test it on myself first. Yeah. To experience it. And now I wanted to talk about sort of this thing that I had been thinking about because I enjoy sensation play so much. And one of the things that I had been thinking about is, is there an overlap between neurodivergence or neuroatypicality and an interest in sensation play. And of course, there's a wide variety of people who are neurodivergent. So I don't expect everybody who's neurodivergent to be into, first of all, BDSM or kink. And then therefore, I don't expect them to all be into sensation play. But I was really thinking about it. And I was thinking about like, there is there seems to be some principles that overlap with like stimming, being sensory seeking, and also being novelty seeking. And so I was sort of diagnosed uh, by way of necessity with ADHD and also identify as autistic. 
And I've noticed that due to these these things, you know, I tend to be very interested in in sensory things, but also I like the being able to hone in on a sensation, like that idea of being blindfolded and holding honing in on a sensation is something that's interesting to me. But I also really like seeking novel sensations, which goes into like sort of that potentially ADHD kind of trait. And so I grabbed this from an article, the next bit that I'm going to read, and I'm going to post the article in the show notes. So here, here's this article, this bit about the interaction between autism, ADHD, and sensation play. And it comes from a broader article on autism, ADHD, and BDSM. Sensory plays a huge part of BDSM. Many folk will use padded restraints so that you can feel tightly bound, unable to move, yet without experiencing any pain. Some folks will use hoods and earplugs, blindfolds, and even padded mittens to limit the sensory input a person is experiencing so they can focus on one sensation being given to them by the top. This could be as simple as the sensation of nails raking over your back gently, the use of a violet wand which creates a static-type sensation, soft rabbit fur, and other textures rubbed on the skin, all of which are much easier to process when it is the only sensation the bottom has to deal with. Which brings us to attention deficit disorders. These disorders have often been linked to a lack of dopamine and are often comorbid for many folk on the autism spectrum. In 2006, Lee and all presented information regarding the association between ADHD and dopamine, showing a strong connection between decreased dopamine levels and ADHD. Vocal et al. 2011, noted that there is a motivation deficit in ADHD that is associated with this dopamine dysfunction. The bulk of research so strongly supports this correlation that new medical interventions are targeting the dopamine transporter and showing success in decreasing ADHD deficits such as working memory and impulsivity. Next, the author of this article includes a short description of their understanding of subspace and the relevance to ADHD and autism and sensation play. Subspace, including top space. During BDSM activities, when there is at least 20 minutes of sensory stimulation, intense enough to not be comfortable yet not so intense as to trigger fight-flight-freeze, Many folk experience subspace. This is when dopamine plus other yummy neurotransmitters flood your brain. Most of the folks I've talked to who experience this storing kink report this as feeling amazing. For folk with a lack of dopamine in their natural state, this can result in days or even weeks of increased productivity, creativity, etc. And so this is by Angel in 2021, and I'll link the article in the show notes. And so we've talked a lot about like dopamine and there's a comorbidity between ADHD and autism and that, you know, engaging in sensation play can obviously increase your, all of your endorphins, but specifically, you know, hitting these zones, you know, subspace or top space. I also think it's interesting that this article claims 20 minutes of sensory stimulation. I don't know where the 20 minutes comes from, but I would say that's like, about my good limit on the like as, as far as a scene is concerned like that's my sweet spot for a scene duration okay is what i would say because i don't tend to have like very dragged out scenes i would say like i I tend to be on the shorter end actually in terms of like scene duration do you tend to go very like long on your scenes i have been known to go long oh you like going longer yeah ah that's true you do like you like it you like it long what just the accent but you're not gonna want it so, but like long enough but 
intense enough not to be comfortable, yet not so intense to, to trigger fight, flight, and freeze. Yeah, that's an interesting wording because I feel like it's possible to drop into subspace just from pleasurable Oh yeah, feelings. So I'm not quite sure where they're coming up with. It feels like rather than what's the wording intense to not. It feels like intense enough not, to not be comfortable. It feels like instead of saying that, it should be like sensations which are like outside the norm yes. for 20 minutes. Yeah, not not that it's not comfortable. Yeah, yeah, because it could be perfectly comfortable. Yeah, so 20 minutes that are outside the norm would be yeah. your proposal. Yeah. And I think that goes back to like when the, when you said the itch that you didn't, the scratching an itch you didn't know you had. And that's how I felt too. I felt like all of my neurons were like, oh, this is what we waited for. Like, <laughs> we're all so happy right now. And then that's like very novelty seeking and like very sensory seeking. And, and afterwards I felt so good. Yeah. And I was like, yes. Like something clicked inside of, and I wouldn't even necessarily call that too. Like, I don't know if I would call that subspace that I fell into, but it was certainly a space. Yeah. I mean, I think I call, I tend, you know, when I bomb for scenes, you know, I think I call it subspace just because that's the colloquial that's term. That's the colloquial, the yeah. The BDSM scene. But, you know, as somebody who doesn't really consider themselves to be a sub, yeah, I don't feel like it particularly applies to me, but sort of I, that altered mental state. Yeah. That's definitely how I felt, the in the altered mental state. So one other type of play that we wanted to cover more specifically is wax play. Yeah. So speaking of, one of the things I want to talk about is how, so, well, actually, let's just go into wax play and I'll tie it into our topic about the brain later. So wax play, this is, again, I think a fairly common one-on-one station that happens because it's fairly easy. Wax play is as audience folks you might have gathered is using hot wax which can either be hot wax from a burning candle or i think more common at one-on-one nights usually they have like a slow cooker yeah slow cooker very common to yeah. heat the wax in yeah heat it evenly so there's a drip hot wax on you and you can get different kinds of sensations based off like different temperatures of the of the wax itself or what the wax material is made out of or how high you start out dripping the wax. So the higher up you start dripping the wax, yeah, the more it will cool down by the time it gets to the bottom. Yeah. And there's even a sensation element with the wax drying on your skin. So, and oh, so there's even the additional element of like the wax drying on your skin, which provides like an additional sensation. And it looks like you ran out here about the knife. Oh yes, I wanted to say you can add an additional sensation pl- play effect to a wax play scene that I quite enjoy, which is that you can also use a knife to scrape the wax off. Yeah. However, I also want to talk about the mental component that comes with sensation play. As with a lot of things in BDSM, at least half of it is mental. So I have, as far as I can tell, a somewhat unique reaction to wax play in that in all the people I've talked to about it, nobody else has said that they felt the same way about it. But basically when the wax gets on my skin and starts drying or cooling, I get like a an itchy sensation from it. And I've tried I've tried a couple different times with different waxes at different temperatures. 
and it's the same all the time. So I assume it's like at least partially a mental thing mm -hmm. that however my brain is interpreting this data, it's interpreting it as itchy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, while I do enjoy the warmth that comes with wax, I can't find myself enjoying the wax play because I know that itching sensation is about to come, which I can't stand. So, you know, I, I, I've never been able to enjoy a wax play because of that. And, you know, you might find yourself, dear audience folks, in a similar situation with some sensation play, which you thought you might like, but, you know, for whatever reason, mentally, you just don't like it. Yeah, that's really interesting. And of course, I'm wondering, like, about some other things, like there's there's wax that doesn't even stick to you. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. If you use a soy wax candle, soy does not heat above body temperature. So when you pour it on the body, it just it basically becomes massage oil. So like I have a massage candle that's just, it's a candle that burns, like you would use a wax play candle, but when you pour it on the bottom, you just massage it in. Okay. So that might be something that you would not get itchy from. Yeah. It doesn't harden onto the skin. Okay. I did not realize there was candles like that. Yeah. So you, you might want to try that. Okay. We already discussed the human touch stuff. So I guess one of the last points that I wanted to bring up is... Does it even have to be a real physical sensation to be sensation play? Spoiler alert, it does not. You can create sensations with your mind. Yeah, or you can specifically deprive sensation until the person thinks they feel something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And one other thing, we thought we would want to potentially discuss tickling. Tickling, yeah. That was one thing we thought we want to talk about, but we want to do a full episode on it partially because we think it needs to come with its own like trigger warning for some people and also we'd like to get somebody who's an very expert. In, an expert on tickling to come and record with us yeah so be on the lookout for a deep dive into that topic in the future if you'd like to hear that episode about tickling the future or if you like hearing the if you like the sensation of this of this audio reaching your ears, you can support us by donating at the bottom of the show notes. You stole my little call to action, but I guess I'll do it. I'll do mine. So. Oh, sorry. I did not see that. <laughs> it's okay. Not to rip off of G, but you can also share with those who might enjoy the soothing sensations of me and G talking about sensation play. Now, this is G. This is M. Don't be afraid to love how you love. Love what you love. And love who you love. If you'd like to get in touch with either M or myself, you can tweet us at KMP Podcast. You can find us at kmppodcast.tumblr.com, or you can email us at kinky.nerdy.poly at gmail.com. Okay. I went to an AI art generator online to see if I can create a better thing for your person yeah you can't have too many things but let's see maybe mystery hooded woman mystery hooded woman doesn't give you octopus well i wanted octopus in there <laughs> wavy black hair that goes slightly past the shoulders wearing free-flowing clothing and color that matches the environment around them yeah i was okay. trying to get that camouflage camouflage okay octopus woman with black hair camouflage how do you even spell camouflage c a m o f l 
A-U-G-E, I believe. And now we know, audience folks, neither me nor G know how to spell.